1: Hey, Hi, Mitch. hey Mitch. Hey, Mitch Hi, Mitch. Hey Mitch.
0: Hey Mitch. Hey Mitch. Hey Mitch.
1: Hey Mitch.
0: Hey, Mitch.
1: Hey,
0: Mitch. <laughs> 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 On today's episode of Hey Mitch, I have screenwriter Chris pare with me and his new movie uh code 8 is on netflix right now you can go out and watch it i watched it it is an amazing movie um hi how are you chris
1: i'm good thanks for the kind words <laughs> and uh, thanks for having me on
0: no yeah thank thank you for coming on it was a uh, like i was saying it, it is a really great movie i love the world building that you do in it and you know what was it that Somewhat inspired you to make this, to write this script? Because, like, to me, it's a very much an immigrant story.
1: Well, so this project, to give you the full story, and it's a bit of a long one, so I hope you're okay with it. But, um, you know, to to go way back, it started as a short film. I saw the short film. Yeah, that we then launched into an Indie Go Go crowdfund campaign. Uh, which then became the movie. So if you go back twenty to twenty fifteen, um, I've been working with the director Jeff Chan for a little while. Um, him and Robbie are good friends, um, and obviously Robbie is is uh, cousins with Steven. and so we've all kind of over the years talked about doing something kind of together on our own terms, like independently, um, and we thought about different ideas that that we could kind of tailor you know, to, to them and their fan base, but at the same time do something a little bit different than what they're used to doing. So we stayed in the super power, superhero kind of, kind of world. But we, you know, we thought even, even in the crowded space that superpowers are in, um, you know, when, and I love all the, the, the Marvel and DC stuff, uh, we still felt like there was like some room there to do something that felt much more close to reality and, uh, felt kind of grounded and, and just, you know, a little more gritty. And, um, you know, that was, that's kind of the initial framework of, of how, you know, how we were going to approach this. Um, and then from there, we, you know, we just kind of had a lot of conversations about what we thought it would realistically be like to have powers that, you know, you weren't super powerful where bullets couldn't stop you, you know, like it, like it was just kind of like, is it even practical? How do you use all this? Like, if you have this stuff, how do you use it? You know? And, And we, we, we made sure to not give anyone a power that would be like, teleportation and like, we, we wanted everything to like, look and feel real. Mm-hmm. So we stuck with powers that we thought would would still feel like they're real and um, and kind of put some limitations on it. So kind of coming from that point of view, it was sort of like, well, what's the backstory here? Like instead of, you know, most, most films where you have superpowers that get into like the origin, either the origin of that character's power or powers itself. And we thought, well, let's push all that to the background and really just focus on these characters and what their lives are like in this world. And we thought, well, you know, if you look at the history, if you look at the opening of, of um, the film Code 8, we tried to really pack in kind of like a little history of, of, of how we got here. And it happened so fast and the credits are on, so most people kind of miss it. <laughs> but if in there is kind of, you know, is really kind of our initial thinking of, of how we got to this world, which is, you know, at one point, you know, powers would be used probably more when it came to, like, physical labor and the Industrial Revolution. It was practical. They could do things that, you know, the machines weren't, weren't doing yet. But as soon as machines could do them and you could get labor cheaper, then what are you, left, what are you doing with these powers? And, you know, when people start losing their jobs and, and they have to start doing some things out of desperation and now they're making headlines for, for doing those things, then the, the, the main public will start to look at them. A little bit differently, and and that's kind of that's kind of where we started to see that I think the divide between those with powers and those without, and uh, the call for police to do more about it, which would then lead into sort of the militarization that we see, um, which is not that far off from stuff that's you know everything there is it's not like we invented anything, so it's just um, that's yeah that's kind of the genesis of how we how we got there. Wait, Long I, mean, answer.
0: I you know, a great answer, but I I I like what you were talking about the that the powers. You don't necessarily give an origin to them, but uh, the fact that they were—you kind of have a revised history of powers have always been around, or at least for the most recent history. Like, was that a decision early on in the process of writing that you wanted to make it so that powers were had been around for quite a while, especially yeah. with the Industrial Revolution?
1: Yeah, we we kind of wanted to uh, avoid having to at least for this film. Um, you know, we always talked about how great it would be to do a TV show, and we can kind of get into the future of Code Eight. Um, but uh, we didn't really want it's Just it's tough. Like you know, if, a, if 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 a character is like just trying to make rent, and their, their mom is sick, and they're trying to you know pay the bills, they're not really worried about how they got their powers. Like mm-hmm. unless it's like it's either everyone knows how, or no one knows, and there are people that are, are going to. Be chase that answer forever but if you can't make your bills that's what you're worried about you know what i mean Normally, you know you know i'm sure these make these characters all thought about it but that's not really important to uh, their problems um, so yeah it was kind of just like well what if in this movie they just are and um the answer—it's not a—you know—if you want origin stuff, like you can just go to the movie theater any day. That well, not now, but well, yeah, right, normally, right now. <laughs> normally, any day of the week, and you get your fill. So we, you know, we thought we'd take a different approach.
0: And you, like you were saying, that you know, there are there's a lots of superhero stuff out there right now, but this one is so unique in the fact that it's a heist movie, a traditional heist movie, and you have the the stereotypes, the archetypes of of uh, those characters and stuff like that. Was it was it difficult to uh, put powers to the different archetypes
1: no I mean you know I wouldn't say it was difficult but yes like okay, yeah it is everything about this is, is, was hard <laughs> yeah, like, um, I think it was always about you know if powers were going to be secondary because it wasn't going to be about powers it wasn't necessarily going to be about exploring how you got them and um, you know we're going to use them for some greater purpose and in this case powers were being used to actually just commit crimes so, you know, yeah, as we as we do kind of get into being more of a crime, drug, we always thought of this more as like, you know, we're making heat with powers, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I'm sure you can feel the reference there. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it was sort of so that the, the fun of it was always like we would create these set pieces where we say, OK, well, you know, the, the characters are, are you know, doing this or doing that. And how how can these powers organically come in where they're not just using them for flashy purposes? It actually feels like they all have a very specific purpose. We can see different ways they use them, but they're not trying to use them. You know, in this world, it's just going to attract problems. It's illegal for the most part to, to, to use them unless you have like a permit or whatever. So yeah, it was just kind of finding ways that, that again, always felt motivated. Um, there was always a character motivation to use them and how they would use them. And they'd be very careful and selective in the way they did it.
0: And, uh, well, how long? Like you, you talked about how how it started off with the short, and you'd been working on it for a while. But when you sat down for writing the script for the main movie, like how long of a process was that? Like from uh, inception to final draft.
1: Yeah, it's it's another kind of long um, answer. Uh, I'll try to you know pare it down. But basically, you know, once we saw that the Indiegogo was successful and that this was happening, and we kind of got a sense of now what the budget would be. Um, because we saw the money coming in, we had an idea of what else we could raise. Uh, it was sort of like, okay, you know, let's let's start doing that, and then we'll sit down and start cra- cracking this thing out. And that was, I think, about the spring of 2016. Um, we had lots of time at that time, because we weren't going to shoot until the following um, summer, uh, which was based on Stephen's schedule with Arrow. So it was like, okay, great, we have all this time. So we, we wrote this this big movie and it was too big and we had to actually throw it out and start again so we went from kind of having like a lot of time to like having a really hard reality check when uh, the numbers started coming in and um and forced us to really re-break the whole thing i'm glad we did it because it, it actually challenged us to um focus more on connor's character robbie's character and really keep it limited more tied around him and his perspective and his problems which I think gave it more of a relatability factor and felt more real um but but so so to answer your question though as far as how much writing went into it, it, it we just kind of rolls right into writing a new script and now I'm like approaching November December of 2016 and uh to kind of have a script that everyone is on board with and can start moving forward with for the spring is, is tight like if you can nail it first try then great but like it just doesn't work that way and um, and then the writing never stopped. I was literally writing. Like I would show up to set because we didn't have the luxury of doing rehearsals. You know, a lot of our cast was flying in and shooting. And then they're back to like the other shows that they're on. Um, we would rehearse right there and then. And things that you'd catch, you would just rewrite. And I remember our, our assistant directors and, and um, you know, like our line producers would, would see me off in a corner with my little tiny sides of the script. And I would just be we're reworking the scene and it'd all be like, Oh God, what's he doing? You know? And then I would basically come back and be like, okay, this is what we're, we're fixing and changing, which is not typical, but that's the situation that we were in. So the writing never stopped. And then even in post-production, you know, we're writing little lines, off-screen lines, uh, the, the entire opening of the film with all that history was something we added at the 11th hour um, uh, in the edit because we did a test screening and people wanted to know more about the world and the backstory. So we, we created that whole thing. And had to write that so yeah the writing really if you're this involved and you know as like a writer producer it's you're just constantly solving problems with writing as best you can
0: oh it's yeah that's uh understandable so yeah. uh a piece of trivia that i think i found online was that uh, the one of the original scripts or one of the original plots was going to be uh uh robbie was a uh, the cop he was on the other side of uh uh, having to go after a code eight kind of thing. Is that, is that true?
1: Kind of, kind of not for the feature. So when we were doing the short film, because it was going to be Robbie and Steven mm-hmm. and then Steven, because of his schedule with arrow, couldn't be in the short. Um, but originally we, well, one of the versions that we were talking about was, um, kind of like a buddy cop thing, like Robbie and Steven as these two cops kind of like end of watch you know, and, and they're dealing with these, um, cases, like it almost feels like you're watching an episode of cops, mm-hmm. but it's got these superpowers. So that, that was a, definitely a version. And then, and then we kind of talked about like, maybe he would be undercover so he could still be out in the, in the crime world, but as a cop, like an informant. And then we kind of shifted away from that to, you know, a guy, um, you know, trying to save his mom's life and getting into crime that way. And then meeting Stephen Steven's character that way. So that was all. Yeah, a lot of versions.
0: <laughs> that was all yeah. just well, it. You it, it ended up on the the version that you got uh, organically, not so much from other restraints or anything like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just I, I'm trying to remember why we made each of those decisions as we made them. But a lot of times, like, yeah, it was just like, okay, well, you know, like I said, going back to the short, Stephen can't be in it now, so we we asked Sung Kang to to be a part of it, and then we were kind of like, well, what if we actually separated it then and. You know, Robbie's like a guy just you know as a day laborer trying to get work, and then there's a call that Sung is a cop, and he comes. and So we always knew there would be like a cop element, like a police element. It was just trying to figure out what the what the most interesting perspective would be, and also suit what our actors you know could could do. And
0: was that was that shot in Toronto?
1: The short film we originally set to do it in Toronto because we're all from Toronto, um, but we decided for a whole number of reasons to uh, go down to LA and shoot the short film in Los Angeles. We did that over the, uh, over the summer of, I think 2015. Um, it, we, it was super difficult in some ways, almost harder than doing the feature film because we had, I mean, we had a really great team, but like we had no money, you know, and, and it was still ex- expensive that just out of your pocket pay for this. little oh, yeah. short and you don't know how well it's going to do. And, um, you know, it's not our, it wasn't our backyard. Like we, we, we visited at Los Angeles before, but it wasn't like home turf and, um, you know, thankfully, we had a lot of people down there, a lot of Canadians actually that worked down there that were kind of welcoming to us and let us crash on couches. And <laughs> we we get shut down. By one point, we had the the helicopters from the Pasadena police flying over us because we were out on the street with the wrong you know permit, and uh, they had their you know these these robots with these guns. Oh wow! And uh, someone called, and yeah, all of a sudden we had like all of Pasadena like on our ass, and we got shut down. And so we begged them to let us come back a week later and finish the shoot. So yeah, it was, uh, the short in itself was like its own crazy adventure.
0: And the, the robots, the robot cops that you have in the, in the short and the movie, it's such a unique look, you know, it's, it's so grounded and realistic. Like what was the, the decision behind that, I guess, just because that was the feel you were going for the movie?
1: Yeah, mostly it's, again, it was just kind of like, um, you know, we've all seen robots in films and, you know, yeah, I think a good, you know, a good uh, reference would be like Chappie or something like that. Where I think Blomkamp's done always a, done a great job of of making sci-fi elements feel very real and bringing it into the real world. And we've always been fans of that. And, and um, yeah, I was just kind of thinking about like, well, how would these realistically look? And you know, we had a great visual effects team. Uh, they're called Playfight, and uh, they came up with a whole bunch of different kind of versions of it and concept art. And we we always found ourselves kind of going back towards something that felt Practical in the sense that it still felt like kind of human because we figured, you know, if the cops are going to roll out robots, they might as well, it'd be more comforting if they, you know, appeared like, you know, somewhat human, even though that may not be true. But right. that would be the idea there. So, yeah, it was always kind of coming back from a more realistic uh, point of view.
0: So between uh, shooting the short and then having to shoot the the feature, the, was there anything that you all learned that was like, Oh, we weren't expecting this when we came across the short when you, after you finished the short, I should say.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, would say you just, when you're shooting, you, you really take your best guess at what you think is going to work and what doesn't work. Um, I can't think of a specific thing, you know, but some, you know, there, there are things that we, we'd cut that, you know, I, and in the script, thought you know looked and read like it would be great, and um you know for whatever reason it just maybe didn't quite quite land and but at the same time, you find other things that that kind of pop up on set or ideas that come out and and so you're always a little bit surprised at what you know at the end of the day when you see the final edit that you decide to put out there, you compare it back to the script how how much things can really change um so I think it's more about learning to have an open mind about that and um not be too stuck to what you put on paper. Because uh, you get there and sometimes, you know, the sun's not out and you wrote a sunny day and, you know, whatever it is, I don't know, it's a bad example, but <laughs> you just got to kind of roll with it.
0: Yeah, no, it's understandable too.
1: Yeah. Now, uh,
0: I have to ask, is, uh, is is sci-fi genre, like, is that always, the, uh, is that a thing that you're super interested in? Is that a, a, a genre that you're planning on always writing in kind of thing or –
1: um, as far as always, I don't know. I mean, I, I do love the genre. I, I tend to like, um, you know, my personal tastes are less on the, in, in terms of the like hard sci-fi. I like stuff that feels more relatable and closer to the world that that I live in and helps kind of reflect more closely to, you know, kind of what I see going on in the world. Um, but um, not exclusive. No, I mean, I love, uh, you know, to be honest, my, my taste in movies is, I'll watch anything really, but if if it's good, I always say, you know, I I like good movies and that could be an animated film, that could be a romantic comedy, you know, if it's good, I'm into it. As far as what I'm going to write though, yeah, I mean, I I do like stuff more in the kind of crime and sci-fi, you know, kind of fantasy world a little bit.
0: I I, kind of asked because I saw on your IMDb that you worked on LA Complex, which is, Probably one of my favorite shows that only got like two seasons. Like I really enjoyed that show. Yes.
1: (laughs) That's amazing.
0: (laughs) I I really, I really did enjoy that show when, uh, and, and I just, I mean, what was it like working on the stories for that?
1: So that, that was cool. I mean, for me, that was like my first um, step in a writer's room. Um, You know, prior to that, I was like a film student and I just wanted to, you know, make movies and I was, you know, working on my own scripts, but I, I had never seen how professional writers work in a room. Um, I was fortunate that the creator of that show and the the, the producers um, I, I had worked with before I was like a, an assistant on set, and they called me up and you know just randomly out of the blue were like, "Hey, we got this show, and you know we need a we need a story coordinator. It's a specific position that kind of helps organize and manages all the all the scripts." I'd never done. I didn't even know what that was, and I was like, "Yes, I'm down." So I just you <laughs> know it was it was. It was really cool, and yeah, I mean, that's it's a it's a great little show that uh, you know they they shot up in Canada and and uh, it found its way to the CW, and I think those that gave it a chance uh, really liked it, and um, you know it's unfortunate that it only did two seasons, but I I know they're talking about trying to get more because the CW uh, really liked the show. So
0: oh wow, I didn't know. I don't know what
1: the current state of it is, but yeah, they're talking about it.
0: Um. What's it like with that, with having to keep track of so many characters for a, uh, you know, ensemble cast like that, as opposed to, uh, you know, Code 8, where you got your core of like four or five characters?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a different um, it's a different challenge. One thing that's good about TV, though, is you can kind of be like, all right, this episode, like when you're in the writer's room, you can you can put all the, the faces of the characters up on the wall if you've cast them. And, um, you know, you can just kind of talk about each one and what they're going through and what you want to see them go through. Um, and you can just kind of, like, point episodes at different characters as you want. With a feature film, to, you know, you can do an ensemble in a feature film. It's just harder because you have le- less time. So you really have to kind of pick and choose. And, you know, with with Code 8, th- there's there are a bunch of other characters that we would love to have spent more time with. And, um, you know, that's why we left the ending kind of open because we always wanted to give you know, to get people excited about doing a sequel so that we would get to do a sequel. And so, um, you know, that's kind of what we're working on now and I'm I'm excited to sort of see what we get to do with the, the characters that, that didn't die in the movie.
0: So, I mean, it, it's, you're, you're hinting at that is a spin-off movie, spin-off show.
1: Uh, sort of in between at, at the moment. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, uh, you know, yeah, I, I can't say too much yet, but, uh, you know, we're working um, with a with a platform called Quibi that's uh, just launched recently, and mm-hmm. uh, they're kind of in between a film and a TV show, and um, we'll see where it plays beyond there. And and but yeah, right right now we're just kind of exploring ideas and, and writing.
0: And I, I like I said, I I loved the movie. I loved the short. I, everybody I've talked to that has seen it uh, also enjoyed it. What kind of reception have you guys been getting from the movie on Netflix?
1: Well, I, I mean Netflix they don't really tell you uh, a lot. And, um, you know, thankfully they now have these top 10 lists that kind of gives you a sense of what people are watching, but it doesn't say an exact number, but you can kind of guess. And, you know, we were not a Netflix original, so we weren't sure when we got to Netflix uh, how uh, well it would be received or even how much Netflix would push it. So for it to land, you know, number one um, in most, you know, major countries around the world, including the U.S., that was, you know, that just kind of completely blew blew us away. Um, so the reaction as far as just people are checking it out and talking about it and, in word of mouth, more people are checking it out. That's been incredible. And what's been kind of interesting too, is you I'm starting to see reviews from all around the world, you know, from fans to, um, Instagram has like a translation button. So I can kind of see the captions translated and, um, you know, people seem to mostly dig it. The, the criticisms of it, uh, I think are totally fair. And, and, um, you know, I, I, you learn from that too. And you can only, you know, do so much some stuff. I, I wish we did better. Um, you know, but at some same time I, those criticisms, I'm like, yeah, we, that's just not something we could have done anything about. So you learn a lot from it for sure.
0: And so you, 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 you mentioned earlier that you went to uh film school. How much did film school prepare you for actually working in the industry?
1: Oh man, that's a good question. I mean, uh, I think when you're in film school, you know, it depends where you're at in your life. I was still, you know, I was just out of high school. I think I was still very, film school for me was probably best suited as a safe little bubble to age three to four years and and uh, not really, you know, whatever you do there and, and ideas you play with and short films or things you write or people you meet, no one really sees and, and you, it kind of drives you nuts because you think your work is going to be, you know, you're the next Kubrick and you know, people must see your work, but the truth is it's not really ready yet. And, um, you come out of school being like, well, I, I still have so much to learn. Um, you know, so as far as like any, like one-to-one, it prepared me for this. That's kind of hard to say, right. but I think with as far as like getting a lot of thing, getting like, just, just being allowed, like being free in that, that bubble to get bad ideas out and, um, and just kind of grow how, however that may be is super valuable because I wouldn't have wanted to do that out in the real world.
0: Okay. And, and was, was filmmaking always the plan for you? Were you, you were always going to, to make, make movies?
1: As far as I, as far as back as I could remember where that, once I realized that was something that people actually could do and did and you could go to school for, yeah, that was, you know, prior to that, I just kind of, you know, went through school doing what they told me to do. And uh, you know, it wasn't until like some of my friends got a camera and we would just like recreate scenes from movies we loved and, and then you know, write our own ripoffs of those movies and shoot those um, that uh, I was like, oh, this is like really fun. And no, oh, you can go to school for this. And I'm yeah. like, okay, well, this is, this is, I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna follow that path. And the reality of it is though, you come out of school and it's not like there's a job lined up, lined up for you, um, especially if you wanna be like a writer director. So you have to be prepared for that and make other arrangements so that you can grow your life. However, it is you plan to grow it um, and survive. You know, and um, eventually you keep keep at it and find other people that are like minded and and want want to hustle. You know, you'll you'll start to create some stuff and hopefully people dig it. But that's the best you can do. And and
0: for your writing process, what you know, what do you do when when you hit a block, or do you do you even hit? Do you have times when you hit a block do you do you step away do you do you you have music playing when you're writing
1: yeah i mean i i have a specific playlist that i um pretty much 99 of the songs on it have no lyrics it's mostly movie scores oh wow Um, i selectively add things as i hear them and things i get sick of i phase out so that's like my go-to i play it very low with headphones that are bigger than this that drown things out That's more when I'm just like in the zone and really trying to focus on writing. But I find a lot of, a lot of writing is done outside of that where I'm just thinking about, I don't want to go and sit down if I don't know what I'm going to do. There's nothing worse than just being like, I'm all ready. And then start a blank page. (laughs) And the pressure of that is brutal. So I will like spend a lot of time just like thinking in like the shower or the bath, you know, walk around, um, just kind of lazing about a lot of the writing kind of gets done there, but you have to really force yourself to, to think in those moments as opposed to just kind of like watch TV.
0: Okay. And, uh, when you're not creating, when you're, you're just trying to take a moment for yourself, what is it that you you're geeking out about? What is, what's the, what's the thing that you, uh, love to go to? Is it video games? Is it, you know, something that's not even geeky? Is it horse training? I don't know.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Uh, well, given the current situation we're in, I got back into video games which is kind of funny because like, it's like, Oh, I got like playing Fortnite. And there'll be like 10 year olds playing against me. (laughs) But, um, you know, that's been kind of fun and you can connect with your friends and I had to get a bunch of other, you know, guys in the thirties on there as well. I'll get on headsets. So that's been, that's been fun. But I, you know, I try to try to do things that get me, you know, out of the house and moving, you know, try to play some sports or something like that. Um, but as far as like, you know, what I want to wind down to, like there's nothing better than like a great show or a great movie. Um, you know, most of the, the time is spent just kind of trying to figure out what what is going to be great, so you don't waste your time on something bad. Um, but the list is long. There's a lot of great stuff out there right now. So,
0: what's the last thing you binge watched?
1: The last thing I've been well, I'm still I'm still kind of binge watching the uh, the Michael Jordan documentary on the Bulls
0: right Oh, okay. Uh, the, the last, last dance. dance, but it
1: yeah. they comes out every week. Um, other than that, I watch Unorthodox on Netflix, which I thought was really good um so it's a, it's a cool show um and i watched devs which is fantastic oh i just Spotify. watched that too yeah yeah De- devs was incredible i'm such a huge fan of alex garland um i i highly recommend it you know i, I also did finish westworld and i would say devs is the better version of west
0: oh nice very yes as, very...
1: As, as cool as westworld is i thought the new season just didn't quite it, no, no, no.
0: and of course you you supported robbie and watched upload right
1: Actually, yes. That, okay, no, that's totally true. I have <laughs> one more episode left of of upload to watch. Such so, a good show. Uh, yeah. No. I yes. It's so fun, and uh, he's great in it. So it's uh, he's ha- he's having a, a pretty good uh, spring. Yes. Right now.
0: Very yeah. much so. so yeah. It, very much part to you. So, uh, I guess we. I, the last question I have to ask you is: you know, you write you write a movie, people with superpowers. What's your go-to superpower? What's the one that you would have if you could choose?
1: Oh man. I think I would probably go with teleport. Teleportation. I like, tra- I like to travel, but it's hard to travel, and it takes a lot of time to travel. Um, it's expensive and it's uncomfortable. So imagine <laughs> just being able to like kind of teleport around to different places, like pop in here and spend a day, and then back at you're back home. Like that would be. I'm sure there are way better, you know, powers and and answers that would like actually improve humanity. But uh, as far as my own uh, selfish desires, I think teleport. Or like the power just to like fall asleep what I need to fall asleep.
0: Oh, that would be that would be amazing. That'd be, that'd
1: be the yeah, best. I actually, power. put i put that at the top. <laughs> I, would, I would be the most well rested man on earth. That would be that would be incredible.
0: Oh, that was awesome. Okay, w- once again, I just want to say thank you for coming on the show and talking to me about the your writing process and the movie and and everything else and L.A. Complex, which I still think yeah. is a great show that people should watch. I agree. It's So good. Uh, uh, thanks
1: again for having me. This was a lot of fun.
0: Uh, is. Uh, do you want to give out your social media so people can
1: find you? Yeah, um, what is it? I, I think it's just Chrispare 14 on uh, Instagram. I, I have Twitter, but I don't check it that often, so I feel bad if anyone's tweeted me there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't post a ton, so I'm not that excited.
0: So Instagram and, and, and Twitter, chrisparre. But until next time, this is Hey Mitch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying, always remember to geek, geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast. Teeep!